Hey guys, welcome back to the Dayhound Podcast. I'm very excited for each episode, but for this one, uber special, not only because it's my first double guest episode, but also because it will be doing a deep dive in the maritime industry. And here to talk about the maritime industry, I have my two close friends, Connor and Owen on the podcast. Welcome and thanks for coming on, guys. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's an honor, me. man. So what do you guys think about the equipment and all the setup? Very professional. Uh, Is you know, it? I, yeah, I wasn't expecting it. It's great. Yeah, it's impressive. Everything seems super professional and these mics are super nice. Yeah. I can hear everything very crisp. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys feel awkward? How do you feel about having headphones on, the mic in front of you and doing a little recording? You know, I kind of like it. I mean, I've listened to the other podcasts, so it's kind of fun getting into it. Like I felt into it when I was listening before, but now it's, it's very cool being here and I, it feels kind of normal as well. You yeah. know? Quick transition. I'm like already comfortable. Yeah, exactly. I, I think when I first put it on, I was like, oh, far do I stay from the mic? But yeah. it's, it's actually comfortable now. When I first started, it's kind of weird with the headphones on and then it kind of gets hot and stuff. But as you get through it and get, like, get normalized to it, it's pretty good. But I wanted to have you guys on and talk about the maritime industry because I think it's a very close niche market and not a lot of people know about it, at least for me. I got introduced to it from a buddy who just happened to meet at a party and he was talking about he's going to SUNY Maritime. By the way, we all went there and that's how I know these fellas. But but I'm interested in how you guys got introduced to it or if you guys just always grew up on the water and you just kind of naturally progressed to it. Um, I'll start with you, Owen. How did you kind of get started? How did you find out about the maritime industry and get into SUNY? maritime yeah so uh when i was younger probably around what 12 13 my dad my dad was air force for 20 years so he said he always said that if he could go back and do it he would have done the maritime industry rather than the air force you know he told me about king's point and senior maritime and all he's like hey you could do this it'd be super fun and i just kind of blew him off like ah, yeah, i don't know working on a boat no way no way and then uh my junior year senior year rolled around and we were looking at colleges and stuff like that, like most people do, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. So we went touring places, and then my dad was like, you know what, that maritime industry, you know, it doesn't look too bad. And I looked it up, did, you know, a little bit of research, and I was like, oh, good money, you know, only work half the year. You're not like a 9 to 5 job. Like, you know, maybe I'll go check it out. We went to SUNY Maritime, and it was the only school I applied for. Cause, really? Yeah, it just was like, oh, I'll take a chance on it. Why not? And it's a big uh, chance. It yeah. was a big chance. I applied like 10 schools. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it was it. I was like, all right, I'm either going to go to Maritime or I'm going to go to Thomas Nelson and then be an engineer at tech or something like that. Was, oh, shoot. And then I decided to be a navigator at SUNY Maritime instead of a, an engineer. So <laughs> I know, right? You know, I just roll with it. Wait, how did your dad find out about the maritime industry? So it's funny. I think that if you talk to a lot of military, military people, people yeah. they yeah. all know about it. Know about it. They're yeah. like, oh, those those mariners, they they make way more money than us, and that's true. They know we're lucky. Exactly. And they also know more about the like the supply chain, the logistics industry. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. And they, yeah, they, a lot. Everyone in the Navy knows about it. Yeah. But I've found the same thing. Yeah. So, which I, I'm shocked that people. So I'm from Annapolis, and I'm shocked that people from Annapolis don't know about it because it's a military town. And then you're living near Norfolk, and I'm surprised less people know about it. That's true. Because all my friends are like merchant marines, like, oh, so you're in the marines. I'm like, no. Like, oh, so you're in the navy. I'm like, no, it's the merchant marines, the commercial yeah. side of it. Yeah, blows me away how many people don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, but it like, runs the country. Right. It runs yeah. the world, actually. Yeah. It runs the entire world. I'm surprised th- we don't have a school down here in like the Mid Atlantic. Mid Atlantic one. Yeah, we should open one up. Yeah, absolutely. I know that there's <laughs> a, a new venture you guys talking about on the podcast. I think we've all talked about yeah. it, right? They definitely <laughs> have so. an AB to to mate school near me. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, it's by not, me too, Piney Point. There you go. Right yeah, exactly. But there's no like a uh, college. So it's like a trade school, right? Right. Okay. And well, what is the AB for those people? Able bodied seamen. So mm. they're the uh, kind of like the grunt workers, the the deckhands. Yeah. You have the licensed guys, so you have to go to a four-year college, or you have to be one of those unlicensed guys first, sell for a long time, then take an exam, 
then you become a mate or an engineer. But if you're one of the guys on the ships that does not have a license, then you're an AB or an OS, an oiler. And it's just, uh, it's kind of similar to the military where you have officers and enlisted. Yeah, yeah enlisted. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'm in the Navy Reserve, so I should yeah, that's know okay. that on the top of my head, but <laughs> so similar to that. Uh, Connor, I'm I'm curious because you grew up in Annapolis. I mean, that is a very like yeah, I mean, you got Navy right there. So did you always know that you were gonna get in the maritime industry? Like Owen, where like, oh, you know what, I'm just gonna kinda go out on a whim and just get into it. No, I didn't hear about it until pretty late. I knew growing up that I wanted to play baseball in college. So every single school I applied to is like probably around ten schools. They're all for baseball and I knew the coaches and I had been in contact with them. And then I went to the Naval Academy baseball camp. Um, so I was okay with the regimented life. Our college, um, you wear uniform, you wake up, you formation. Yep. And I was okay with that because I went to the uh, Naval Academy summer camps every summer. And you spend a week there with like a bunch of college coaches. And so I, and I liked the idea of going to the Naval Academy, but I wouldn't be able to get in because it's like impossible. Yeah, that's true. And when I went to that last one, the summer before my senior year, the United States Merchant Marine Academy at Kings Point. So that college is called Kings Point. He recruited me to go to the coach there. Yeah. So, so it wasn't, in, so I found out about it pretty late. It was like right before my senior year started. And I started the application process to go to Kings Point. And then when I got deferred to their prep school, all the federal academies have prep schools. They have a prep school. Yeah. Each, each one of them has it. Um, oh, wow. Like the Naval Academy has NAPS and then Kings Point has I mean, New Mexico Military Institute. And then at that time, a lot of my neighbors were sponsoring midshipmen at the Naval Academy. And some of them came from NAPS. So they knew about all the prep schools. And I asked them about NIMI. And they said, don't go to NIMI. Like, it's not a good place to go. It's like, it'll be a rough year. And then those are the ones that told me to go to Maritime instead for a year. And then to transfer over. And then I had a baseball coach who was pushing me in that direction. Mike Orders, Coach Mike. I was, I think I referred to him pretty often. But he's like a mentor of mine. And yeah, they were all pushing for it. And then it was like the money factor, of course. So that year, SUNY Maritime College became number one on the Forbes like mid-career salary list. Yep. And then also like, the starting salary. So when you come out of college, you'll be making more than any other like college graduate. Yep. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. And yeah. I like, just didn't, it was like you said, Owen, like it was worth the shot. And I didn't want to pass up an opportunity. Yeah. And so I was willing to try a year and then transfer. I didn't like it, but I liked it. I met friends. I played baseball. And so it completely different for me. Just met someone at a party and they're like, oh, I'm going to SUNY Maritime. You make a lot of money when you come out. All right. Apply to VMI. Got waitlisted there. So I applied to SUNY Maritime as a backup school. Got in. Never been on a boat. Didn't know what an anchor like really even looked like. Anything like that. And I just kind of went. It's funny how many kids don't know what they're getting into. It's when true. They, when they show up. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But especially with the maritime industry, because I feel like even in high schoolers in general, you don't know what you're trying to get into. Like when you pick a major, you have no idea what you actually want to do. And then you try it and then it's like, I, this is not interesting at all. Right. And also colleges, I don't think they do a really great job of like introducing exactly what you want to do. How do you explore that? High schools either. Yeah. And I think yeah, that yeah. Especially. ends up being more on like at home, like your family needs to help you out with that. And yeah. I wish schools did it. And I think that's something that needs to change. But I know that because I wasn't prepared for like knowing what careers led to like what lifestyles or what majors led to what careers Yeah, that um, I'm going to help my kids out with that in the future for sure. Like make them do internships or just do research with them. And I'm like, oh, do they really want to be a doctor? Because this is what entails. Yeah. Or, like, do you want to be a communications major? Because like, you know, who knows what communication majors really do. Right. It's a very broad thing. Yeah, absolutely. But I want, like, my kids to know exactly what jobs could come from that so that they can make a better decision. I will say, I think that 
not necessarily SUNY Maritime, but the teachers that were there. Like I know, you know, some of the mates that taught our classes, Mate Sobcow, you know, Spillane, all those, they at least told us what we were getting into. Like they did a good job of, of pulling us aside being like, look, like this is what you're going to run into on a ship. This is the kind of stuff that you're going to get into. So we kind of knew it at that point. Uh, but you're right. When we set out to go to Maritime, we had no idea what we were getting into. Or, I mean, I guess some people did, but there were a few people who didn't. Whose job is it to help these young high schoolers to help them to explore different routes to find, okay, I have interest here. I have no interest there. Because I feel like when you're in high school, you don't know what you want to do in your life. It's a very daunting question. At least for me, I, I don't think I found out until like after college of what I wanted to do. So like, should it be on the high school? Should it be on the college? Should it be somewhere else, uh, whether it's your family member, to help you to find that? I think it's on a lot of people. I would like it to be done better at the high school level, but that clearly doesn't happen. So it's like, let's just say that's not an option. Yeah. Then outside the high school level, it has to be on yourself. Like I have to take it upon myself to do the research. And then I think your parents have to be to guide you with that one. Because I think when I would take advice from older people, I would really value it and be like, all right, well, me being 25 years old, I can give a lot of advice to myself when I was 18. And that's yeah. the only difference is age and years of experience. So I took what my parents said, like very, I valued it a lot. And everyone that like would give me advice, I would make sure to value it. And so I think the kid in that scenario, being in high school, needs to have an open mind and find people they can talk to, like whether it not be your parents, but like other people that are older and have already been through life. But then, yeah, so mainly your parents and mainly yourself. Yeah, I think you have to do a lot of uh, self-evaluation. You have to know what is important to you in life. I mean, for me, it was my dad was there for most of my life after I was 10, 15. He had retired from the military and he was at home. The, for my siblings, that's all he knew. Like, all they knew. This, my dad was retired. He was at home all the time. And he had military pension and all that. So, you know, that was something that I liked, you know, being home with family. Like, that's a big thing for me. And my, the one thing I'll give my dad a lot of credit for is, like, he's, he'd sit us down a lot. Be like, look, I love you guys. And I'm glad that I get to be here all the time. But the reason is because I've put it in all this work up front. So that was a big motivation for me going to Maritime. I was like, look, I want to get as much money as possible so I can retire as soon as possible and be there for my family. So I think it's, like, a big deal. It's like you have to know what you want in life, and then go from there. I think I agree. I think it's the family has to give you that information because I know when I was in high school, I definitely didn't do like proactive research. Finding my career was definitely not on my mind when I was, you know, junior and senior. I was like, I'm, what college am I going to go to? What party school am I trying to do? Like what fraternity am yeah, I going to join? You know, <laughs> yeah, literally though, I applied at schools that has the awesomest parties and, and I that kind of somewhat had a big factor in where I applied. So clearly my, all my uh, maturity was out the window. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's at least where I was when I was in high school. So now that you applied to Mar SUNY Maritime and got in, so how was your overall experience at SUNY? I think uh, the beginning was a little, I mean, a little rough. It wasn't that bad. You know, shaving your head was, was all right. It, it definitely wasn't a good look. I, I can say I can <laughs> not rock the bald look. I'll never go back. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely Ever. not. Ever. I can't remember the quote, but it's like best friends are formed in the crucible of fire or whatever. But, you know, and I think that like us, you know, I think we're pretty solid friends and I think I made some great friends at Maritime and it's Somewhere. probably because we were all going through, you know, we we're all going through it. So we're like, all right, hey, I mean, the regiment sucks. You want to be friends? And then we all got through it that way, I think. Yeah, we ask each other if we want to be friends. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, how they, it went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ask each other out to be friends. Yeah, yeah. But it's true, though. I think when you go, a group of people go through hard things together, there's a lot of bond because you got to pull each other through. And even, uh, what was it, Indoc? Mm -hmm. we, we, uh, was it a week? It was I mean, 12 days. 12 days. Okay, so it's a little more than a week, but 
it's pretty hard because we're not used to that lifestyle. We shave our head from the start. They're yelling at you. You can't eat and talk, right? I think you have to eat in silence. I don't remember. I put Every that all out of my head. privilege you can think of. Yeah. Yeah. Away. yeah. You don't have time. The time. Which is time was a big thing for me. Yeah. No yeah. clocks, no phones, no watches, no nothing. Yeah. Our freshman year, you can't go just walk through the shower with whatever you want. Like, you have to wear. Oh, I forgot about you, this. you remember this? Oh, my like, God. It's all coming back. The point is that it's, it's definitely not a college like a regular college where you can just go to class with your, your sweatpants and a hoodie on. You have to go with a, a uniform. You have to get up at a certain time or you get a detentions or like these little points that you have to work off. It's definitely a different college experience. Overall, if you had to go back and do it again, would you do it? Absolutely. 100%. Really? 100%. Yeah, I think I'd do it too because yeah, after graduation, life has been so good and having time off and making money. And I just so often I want to go back and like talk to the teachers or call them and thank them because those teachers loved us. Like, and I think you don't get that at every school. I think you get teachers that, or the TA teaches. Yeah. And then they don't know your name. Mm-hmm. But when we went into our license exam, mate Sobcow was tearing up because he was so proud of us. Yeah. And the Admiral uh, had every sports team over for dinner. And it was just a small campus. So everybody knew each other. The Admiral and his wife like had my parents over during really? the doubleheader because wow. it was raining and it was cold out because it's New York weather. And so my parents went and hung out with them between games. Oh, wow. And then I don't know, and he paid out of pocket for our scoreboard. And then just, I don't know, I thought the mates, I don't know if the engineering department was the same way. I think we had yeah. it really special with mates, but they loved us. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, all the friends we made. I think it was a good place to be. What's the saying? It's a good place to be from, but not a good place to be. That's right. Best yeah. place to come from. Worst yeah, it's place a to be great at. place to come from. So Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of like military schools or like regimented like schools like that, it, they always have a saying like that. It's great to be out of there, but it's not a, it's not a lot of fun to go there. Yeah. So the whole point I wanted to talk about the maritime industry is because a lot of our listeners is quite young and they definitely, uh, I'm sure... No, don't know exactly what they want to do in life. So I figured I have two great experts in the in industry talk about. Obviously, you guys are still young in your career, but you know you have a wealth of information that you guys can share about the maritime industry because not a lot of people uh, know about the maritime industry. So I want to bring exposure to the maritime industry and see how has life been after college. I know we've been ranked pretty consistently at the top of the boards of most well-paid like you're gonna do pretty well out of college so has is that statement true in your opinion yeah it's definitely true yeah i'd say so as well i think that all my other buddies that were smarter than me and just as hard working that went to normal colleges um they're all doing really well but when they find out how much owen and i make from <laughs> shipping out they're like what yeah they're like that's not fair yeah and you only work half the year and so I think that's true, and uh, I think you have a lot of opportunities when you leave the school because it's such a close-knit school, and I feel very comfortable looking back at anybody I graduated with and picking up the phone and calling them and asking them for a favor, for a job. That is very true. So yeah. the, uh, the alumni network, I feel very comfortable like getting another job if I wanted to. So when you graduate, you get a license, and that allows you to ship out, and then you also get a degree. So you can work shoreside at a regular company, at a firm, anywhere. So the engineers, they have all the opportunities in the world. Right. They can go work at a power plant, a hotel, anywhere that they need basically a power plant to run mm-hmm. the building or the ship or whatever it is. But then they can also ship out. And then the deckies, the mates when they graduate um, on the deck side versus engine side, so they call us deckies. And we have options to work shoreside a little bit less, but you can work at a port, you can work in an office for shipping companies, but then you can ship out on tugs, ferries, 
large vessels that go deep sea and go all across the world. And then you have the oil industry in the Gulf, which Owen, yeah. a lot of different routes. Yeah. And I'd say I would encourage any kid who wants to be an engineer, I would say absolutely go to Maritime. And I believe that SUNY Maritime is now currently ranked like one of the best mechanical engineering schools in the country. No way, really? Yeah, I it's told number my, one, right? You, it, yeah, you, I was trying your to talk brother to my brother. Looking, yep. looking into it. So is I, your brother going? No, probably not. Oh. Uh, yeah, I was trying to encourage him to go. Um, as an engineer, yeah, absolutely. I know people who had had three job offers before we even graduate, before we'd taken a license, you know. Right. Graduating in May and then March, they had had all three job offers, you know, February, that kind of stuff. So it's good problems to have, I think, for the engineers. For the deckies, I would have, you know, a little bit of a hard time encouraging a young kid, you know, telling someone, hey, look, you know, go be a deckie at Maritime, just because I feel like the school keeps cranking out Mariners, Mariners, Mariners. And, you know, these spots aren't necessarily, like the, the job positions on ships aren't necessarily becoming more and more available. You know, I know a lot of captains that are staying in their spot at 60, 70 years old, right. which it kind of stops the evolution of third mates going to second mates, going to chief mates, going to captains, that kind of stuff. However, I think that if you come out and you're willing to do the grunt work, like Connor and I both worked as ABs yep. for a little bit. I think if you can do that and if you can hustle, call in the union every day, if you have the right amount of luck, I think that you can get those great positions. I mean, look, I'm in a great position now after graduating three yep. years ago. I, I have no complaints and I do the same thing over and over again, but I would have a little bit of trouble looking a little kid in the face being like, Hey, look, go be a decky because, you know, there is going to be a lot of struggle. But yeah. if you can grind through it and you have, you know, the resources to say, hey, look, I'm going to say no to another AB job offer. I'm going to wait for that third mate spot. I'm going to wait for this spot. Then I'd say, you know, go for it. If you can hustle for it, you can do it. So I think the key takeaway is that if you go to SUNY Maritime, you have to suffer through it, but you're going to probably be glad that you went through it because you're going to have some job offers, especially if you're an engineer. But you're also going to have opportunities as a decky. What kind of students would you recommend to go to a SUNY Maritime? Because it's not for everyone. And I think we need to do a little, maybe a little deeper dive on the overall experience of Maritime from freshman to senior year and what we exactly did. Because it's not just like going to a regular college. It's a lot more than that. It's, I think it's pretty rigorous uh, with your class schedule and other extra regiment activities you have to do and other obligations you got to do. So Maybe can you guys kind of do try to do a best summary of like your freshman year to senior year? It's definitely not for everybody. So when people come their freshman year and they drop out, I say like it's a, pretty no good amount. Deal. Too, it's right? a lot. Yeah, it's, a, it's like thirty percent. Yeah, I show up and then drop out. Yeah, right? and I say that's fine. It's not for everybody, and I fully understand it's not for everybody, especially after that first cruise when you ship out in the summertime. Because as you go through this program, in order to get your license, you just ship out and acquire some sea days. So, so let's go exam. freshman year. So when you first get accepted, w w there's a thing called in-doc, right? So Connor was talking about 12 days of like essentially boot camp. A much easier version of a military boot camp. Exactly. You sh they shave your head. I think you do PT every morning, run everywhere. You have a uniform, lack of sleep, all that stuff, uh, but a lot less uh, rigorous than like a military boot camp. And then you, I guess you do a mi mini graduation from boot camp. Like in doc, yeah, and then your freshman year starts. Even when your freshman year starts, you don't have all the privileges, right? So, how was your mug year or your freshman year? So, when you walk outside the building, walk just on the edge of the yeah. sidewalk, and it's called the mug path because as a freshman, you're a mug, just like at the Naval Academy, you're a plebe. What, is, what does that stand for, mug? Mariner it's, under guidance. Yeah. yeah, there it is. And so you have to do things like square your corner, like turn it 90 degree angles, and you have to run everywhere, and you have certain rules. You have to wear your uniform. You can only wear certain things on your uniform. 
and you can only eat at certain times and you can only take certain paths. And when you go to the shower, you have to wear your full PT gear to the shower and then change there and then put it back on and then wear it back. And it's just a lot of rules like that. You can't have a TV. You can't have a fridge. You have to have your clothes folded at all times and your bed made at all times. So lots of little rules like that. Yeah. But it's kind of to weed out people and just to instill like certain principles right off the bat, which I think we can talk about that a little later, I guess. But yeah. there are certain um, principles that you get from maritime that you don't even realize you get. But they stick with you, and they make you definitely a better employee and leader, like, in the working environment, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Like you were saying before, uh, you know, who is the best people to go for it? I think the best people are the people who can just say, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I think mug year was, it is what it is. All right. You know, we messed up. Someone didn't wear the right thing to formation. All right. All right. We have to box corners. We have to do something dumb. And it's like, you know what? It is what it is. And I think that's what day-to-day life is uh, is for so. me out on the rig. And, then, yeah, for you out shipping out, it's like, dang, we have to stay another couple of days. It is what it is. It's like, oh, someone keep had the to. the morale up yeah. for the sake of everybody, for the sake of the ship, for the sake of your company, and just, just keep going forward and not get hung up on little things yeah, that I went think, wrong. I think that was the, the, the vibe of maritime. You know, you got to suck it up and go. I think it's for everyone, though, in a way, because if you if I look back at the people we graduated with, there's some oddballs. There's some hard work. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's everybody. You get everybody there. Yeah. As long as you're okay, people like yelling at you freshman year, and you can just keep on trucking on and then not take things too personally and deal with a little bit of BS. Because when you go to a military school or in the workplace as well or in the military, you're always going to find extra added BS that's thrown at you. Yeah. Always. So as long as you can deal with that. But it's not too much for anyone to deal with, really. I don't want to deter anyone from not going to maritime ministry because what we just talked about, I think it seems too rough. It's really not. I mean, obviously, we can say that because we went through it now, but it's you just got to have that, you know, it is what it is factor to it. You got to be able to just take it one day at a time and grunt through it. And when you have that mentality, that year goes by and then you turn into a sophomore and you get a lot more privileges and you don't have to do all those things. But I also want to highlight the class schedule, like the, the rigorous course load. I think we finished around like 180 credits, which is a lot more than when you go to regular college, right? Oh, uh, yeah. It's basically a double major at Maritime because you have your degree that you're getting and then you have your license related classes. So you basically have double major. And I wouldn't necessarily say that if you're um, going the decky route, it's basically a business degree. And it's the business of shipping. And I wouldn't say any class is actually that hard, but it is a lot. So things do add up. And then when you get to midterms or finals, because you have more classes than a normal student, it does add up and becomes a lot. But I wouldn't say one class is too hard. And then, But maybe for the engineers, they have an equal course load. So they have a lot of credits and a lot of classes. And their classes are pretty hard. Yeah, I so feel like it can be tough. And their, their license complements their degree. You know, our business has nothing to do with shipping. Sure. It has nothing to do with navigating. But I, I, I like what you're saying. Like, there's a heavy load, per se, but when it comes down to classes, there, I would equate it to, like, a high school level, maybe a little bit over high school. I mean, I, I don't think it's... If you can do trig, you can do plotting, you can do celestial navigation, you can do all that. Yeah, I thought all my AP classes in high school were harder than most college. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, the... So the reason I want to bring that up, because it's just to highlight the difference between, like, our school and then just maybe, like, a regular college. Because I know some students will take 12 credits, but that's unheard of at our school. That, that almost it seems like, oh, like you're taking the semester off? Like, what are you doing? Like, what's <laughs> wrong with you? Like, you're going through a mental, like, you know, break or something? Like, but, because I know I, I think I never took below 18 credits, but I think, but that's a normal. It's, it's like 18 credit is like average for everybody. I actually did take 12 credits my first semester at Maritime. and uh, First? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I set myself up for failure then. I had to take <laughs> two summer classes one summer, and then my senior year, my last semester, I had to take 
like 24 and a half credits. I actually had to like apply oh I remember that. two yeah. credits at SUNY Buffalo online or else I wouldn't have uh, graduated on time. That's I didn't crazy. know about the summer class. I remember that you're senior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was bad. See, but like that's another thing, right? So even going into your freshman year, that, that maybe adjustment from going from just couple classes to like 18 credits while your friends are taking 12 credits, like, you know, different classes where we're taking like a Coast Guard certified classes where you have to maintain a certain grade and you have to, your class overall has to, can't be lower than like a 80 or like a C average or that is considered a fail. So just different aspects about, our school and I'm sure other schools, military regimented schools like that, where it's not similar to a regular college and there's different standards you got to applaud by to actually graduate. And one thing I also want to highlight is the summer C term. So if you guys want to talk about that, normal colleges, it'll be, you'll be done in the summer, but at SUNY Maritime, it actually continues. Right. Yeah. So we had to get like Connor was saying earlier, we had to get C time before we were able to take our license exam. And the way we did that was on our training ship, which was uh, what, a 565-foot bolt carrier converted into a training ship. So those big bays that they had, grain and stuff like that, they converted into our living quarters, which was a lot of fun. The yeah. 156 was great. You know, sharing a bedroom with 155 other dudes, there's nothing better. That's another adjustment. You're going to be very tight, close people in lockers right next to each other, uh, sleeping on top of each other, literally. Yeah. And waking up at different odd hours. But How's Connor? How's your summer C term for freshman year? Um, I think that was definitely the best part of college, actually. So we made it sound pretty bad. Hundred percent, hundred percent great. And you stack five hundred people on that ship. I think it's five hundred cadets. Yeah, there were, yeah there another like a hundred or two hundred teachers. Right. Yeah. So it's like seven hundred people on this little. It's not. It's a huge ship. When it you, gets small real quick, when but you put it that feels many very on there. small. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a big ship when you compare it to like your personal boat that's like a 15-foot Boston Whaler or something. Yeah. But this is a 565-foot ship. But you're out there with all your buddies, and then later in your career, when you're shipping out for your job, you're not going to have all your friends there. So this is the one time in your life that you get to ship out and do your job, have all your friends by your side. And we're lucky that the uh, SUNY Maritime College training ship, the Empire State, we go from the United States over to Europe and hit a bunch of ports over there. So in your summertime, you... Finished this semester in May. We finished a little early. And then by mid-May, we're already sailing down the coast of the United States. And then a week after that, we're sailing over to Europe. And you get to spend three to five days in each port. And I think you have like four ports per half of the summer. So if you're a freshman, you only go for half the summer. If you're a sophomore, you only go for half the summer. And if you're a senior, you go for the entire summer. So it's either a 50-day cruise, a 50-day cruise, or a 100-day cruise. Your other option is going out on a commercial vessel. So you'll yep. be with a commercial company with about 20 people on board and there'll be 20 people that are employed by the company and then one or two cadets. So and that's basically like an internship, essentially. Basically an internship and you get your sea days the same way. So it's just, you're on a different ship, still getting sea days. But when you do it with the training ship, you get to pull into, where did we go? We went to Mallorca. Barcelona. We went to Barcelona. Awesome places. We got to have a lot of fun and make the best memories that made all of college worth it. That was the best part 100%. looking back at it. And then you come home and then all your friends back home are like, oh my God, you've been in Europe all summer. Yeah. And it's pretty awesome. That is very cool. Yeah, it's it's not all bad uh, per se. It is a lot of work. Uh, please don't get it twisted. It's, it's <laughs> early mornings, a yeah. lot of work. Yeah. 
Um, no, but I, I just want, yeah, it, I just want to adjust expectations. You know, you're not just going to Barcelona to party it up. Like there are curfews, there are rules to this. Like 100%. you can't just get arrested and, and think it's all hunky dory. You go on summer sea term. So you're, you finish your freshman year and when all your friends are coming home from, for me, I never been on a boat like that. So to be in Atlantic and seeing ocean everywhere, that's very cool. Right. And just doing watches, your work, your classroom on it. And the whole point of summer sea term is to implement in practical ways what you learn in the classroom so we learn how to navigate radar actus all those things as deckies you actually use that during watch times your work days on the summer sea term but overall it's a pretty good experience and you, you there's no other experience like that so now that you guys are a couple years out in a good place in your career and you guys are going to get to a better place how was your time after graduation trying to look for a job i was lucky that in my parents neighborhood there was a researcher who was very high up in research on the east coast um, for UNOLS, which i'm not sure what that stands for but it's some sort of um, research company they work with different schools to conduct oceanic research and she's like oh you know if owen wants a job i can probably find him a job on a research boat and i was like okay yeah absolutely no worries. That'd be great. So she floated my resume to a few people. University of Miami was one. I was going to work as a deckhand with them, possibly a mate spot. And then I got a job offer from the University of Hawaii as a, an able seaman, like we were saying before, a deckhand, uh, unlicensed. And it was, it was fun. I just said, all right, you know what? And it was like a month after graduating. So, you know, I'd had my time at home and I was like, all right, you know, student loans are, I got to start paying those in five months. Now it's time to start working. And it was great. And, you know, I got the call on a Wednesday that I had to be there on a Friday. So, you know, I packed my bags and left. And it was great. Going to University of Hawaii was awesome working down there. And uh, got to work with Connor, too, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a good first job. Everyone was jealous of that first job. 100%. That was a good one. Yeah. So yeah. How was it being in Hawaii for your work? It was an easy job. <laughs> it was a and cat, we got it was to have fun. Job. Yeah. And it was a great first job because, I don't know, introduced us to some things. You learned a little bit. But I wasn't too nervous to do the job because it was an easy job. And also because I had my buddy Pat and Owen there working with me. So it was a great introduction. Again, I went the same time you did around three weeks after college. And when you graduate and you're looking for a job, you're shipping out, you could go to a company, like a company in the Gulf, because they're not unionized, or you can go to a union. So I think we both put our names in the union. Right, wide. absolutely. And it takes a while to get a job. And you were saying you got to hustle and call every single day looking for a job. Yeah. And so that's what we were both doing. But we didn't want to sit there and keep calling and keep waiting and not be making money. So we went out and did this. And, like, it's hard to turn up Hawaii. They fly there for free. So it's like, okay, absolutely. I'll go. Yeah, absolutely. So we were still calling the union all the time. But we were just in Hawaii. And I think we were there for the, almost the whole summer. And I stayed into October. And then it was good because when, when you ship out with a ship, sometimes you're gone for months at a time. This one, we were going for like a week at a time, then we'd come back and we'd be uh, in Hawaii for a week. Then we'd go out for a week and be in Hawaii for a week. I will say, uh, before you came on, you missed the trip. We went and uh, surveyed the Gulf of Alaska, which was 30 days of just going back and forth, doing an underwater survey. We had an ultra ultrasonic uh, underwater mapper that was in the ship, and they would just send signals down. It would map. So we mapped the Gulf of Alaska, and it was 30 days of, of nothing but ocean. And then we ended up going to Oregon and that's when we picked you up. And that was fun. Yep. Seeing you was, was great at the end of my hitch. Cause I was, I was getting to the, the pull my hair out stage of it, but it was good. So I think there's a, a couple underlying factors. You guys, even though you graduated college and, and SUNY Maritime is a quote unquote, like a very high. And when you graduate, you're going to make, you're expected to make a lot of money, but you didn't have that mentality of like, I graduated SUNY Maritime. I'm a, I'm a third officer now. Like, you know, I, I need to get at that position or I need to get that money. What you guys did was proactive. 
you look for jobs, you call, you join the union, you called every day to look for opportunities. And I think that hits on not just the maritime industry, what you guys did, but that's even if you graduate anywhere else, you should have that mentality of just because you graduated college, you're not better than anyone really start from the bottom and you have to work your way up. So and I think that's why what you guys did led to where you are now. So you didn't get a you know third officer job. You got a lower tier job per se, but then you got the experience, what you needed to have to get employed where you are now, where you're a little bit well off now in a more leadership role, more higher base role. So if I could recommend three things to do for you to get to a position where you're better off in the future, what three things would you recommend? I think it's hard to say, at least for me, because I, I want to say that I was pretty privileged in a way that, you know, I worked for three months straight and then I had some money to, to relax on. And then it was about another three months till I got another job. And that was only a 15 day job. And then I waited seven months until I got the job that led me to the job I have now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a great job. You know, it was, it was the, the cream of the crop. And I actually had passed on two other job offers because my parents were like, you know, hold off, hold off, hold off. Wait till you can get that third mate job like a military seal of command, Swiss, they, they all were like, hey, we'll take you as an AB. And they're like, you know what? Just wait, just wait. It's coming. And then two weeks later, you know, I got the third mate job. So, you know, I know that you, you do have to grind. You do have to make money and all that. You know, I think know your worth and, and know, set your goals, that kind of stuff. And if you're lucky enough to, to wait and take the chance on yourself, you know, do that. What about you, Connor? Uh, I'll just say, I don't know, believe in yourself and work hard and be proactive. Like I was calling companies, and the union, and you're supposed to go through the union, but I was calling companies every day, and they'd be like, all right, Conrad, we know who you are, we know you need a job, stop calling you so often, and they got to know me by name, <laughs> and I would call them every day. They and added I you on the spam caller list? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> no, but I, that's... The I started toning it down, like, <laughs> twice a week, then once a week. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I would just say, and it is hard to know when to pass on a job and yeah. when to take it, because... That's true. Because it is good to hold out for that good job. Right. And you don't want to be in a position where that good job comes up and you're already working, you can't take it. But I would I would say at the very beginning, go get yourself some experience, go make some money, and you're not too good for any job. And you will learn something out of everything you do. Like, try to learn something out of everything you do. And you can often learn just as much about what not to do than what to do. So I went in somewhere and I had a bad chief mate or I had a bad job or I had a bad experience. So now I know not to be like that chief mate in the future. Like I've learned just as much for sure about what not to do, about how people acted than what to do. Cause I think it's actually more rare to find a good leader that you want to say, I want to be like him or I want to be like her. It's actually easier to sometimes be like, Oh, he did this or she did this. I didn't like it. Well, I need to remember to not do that when I'm in that position. So I don't know. I would just say, uh, don't be afraid to go get your feet wet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then the good job will come. Be patient. Super great advice. It's hard to find a great leader and, I think it's even harder to emulate everything they do. It's a lot easier to find leaders that do things that are not, in your eyes, a good leader. So you see things that you a leader shouldn't be doing. You will put it in your memory bank. Oh, I will never do that. When I become in a leadership role, I will never do things like that to people that I'm fortunate to to you know lead. And also... The, the proactive part, I mean, I can't stress that enough. Like, you have to be proactive. You have to call around. You have to apply multiple places. And again, you're never good for a cert, uh, any job, uh, for that matter. And there's always a learning curve. There's always a learning thing. You can always come from each experience, each job, each position you do. So and all that will factor into your greater job that you always wanted to get. And hopefully you get that position. But to transition to where you guys are now, can you guys talk about a little bit of what you do now? So I work for ARC, American Roll-On Roll-Off Carriers, and it's a car carrier. 
and I'm the third mate there. And I just got promoted to second mate, and my second mate license should Congrats. be in the mail. Thank uh, you. Yeah. So next time I go out, I'll be doing that. And we're a we're a car carrier, so pretty much anything that rolls on and rolls off can go on our ship. So the stern ramp goes down, and it's a ramp that goes from the dock to the ship, and we'll take on helicopters, tanks, lots and lots of cars, a lot of farm equipment, and we'll go all over the world. So I'm on a South American run right now. So we'll leave Texas, take a full trip around the continent of South America, and then come back. So that's what I'm doing. Thank Very you. cool. Yeah, I went the the non traditional the uh, the less respected route, we'll say, uh, you know, because I'm not a traditional mariner in a sense. I work down in the Gulf of Mexico on a drill ship, more commonly referred to as an oil rig. We're just not a platform. We look like just like you take a regular ship and you put a derrick right in the middle, a drilling derrick. But yeah, so we don't necessarily travel around like travel around like you do. We just kind of sit in one place and, and drill for oil. Yeah, and I worked as a third mate on the rig and now I'm a dynamic positioning operator. And uh, as a third mate, I was just kind of in charge of the life-saving firefighting equipment. And now as a dynamic positioning operator, I'm in charge of uh, keeping the ship on location. So do you think there are, well, now that you guys have great opportunities now, but I mean, that's a testament to your hard work, but do you think there'll be more opportunities in the future in the maritime industry, or do you think there'll be less? I think as you climb the ladder, for me personally, opportunities open up because I've worked with more people and got more contacts and once I get that second mate's license, I can go work anywhere as a third mate or a second mate. So that opened up opportunities. Now, as far as um, just the future of the industry in itself, that I'm not sure. Um, new things are happening. Like we have a um, like a diesel ship, and it was also another fuel that we run on as well. And but they're starting to come out with like LNG ships or LPG, liquid petroleum gas or liquid natural gas. So that creates opportunities in the future but then the gas industry might be on a decline so it's things are volatile and i don't and then autonomous ships could be introduced in the future which would take away mariner jobs um there's this thing called the jones act which means that any u.s flagged vessel has to have american workers on board which if that jones act went away then they would outsource our jobs and then i wouldn't have a job anymore and they've tried to get rid of the jones act before to save shipping companies more money oh absolutely and so the future of the industry, um, I'm not sure if there'll be that many jobs for Americans. For me, I know as I go up, more opportunities have presented themselves to me. And then in general, maybe not in the United States, but in the world, there will always be a huge industry and there will always be jobs. I just don't know about for Americans because most of shipping is done internationally outside the United States. And, you know, everything from like the clothes we're wearing to the cars we drive and the gas we put in those cars, like everything comes on a ship. It's like 90 to 95% of all goods come on board a ship. So definitely a big job, definitely a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that shipping in general is not going anywhere. There's no way you can move as much cargo as we do without being on a ship. You can't do it by air, you can't do it by land or by truck. But I think that as a, an American mariner, like Connor was saying, it, there's definitely more regulations um, it, and you know, the, the standards that we're kept to is, is a little higher, I'd say, and it's a little more expensive for us to work, um, whereas overseas, it's just a little cheaper. I think with the uh, military seal of command, there will always be some jobs, right? but it's not necessarily, and, you know, nothing against the people who work military seal of command, because the people who can do it do very well, and they see the world, and everything that, you know, I kind of wanted to go to maritime for, it's just the hitches and 
the standard of living that they have on board. I've heard a lot of complaints about. So to wrap up this maritime industry talk in a nice bow, if you have a son or daughter and they say they want to get in the maritime industry, would you be okay with that? Would you promote that? It just depends on the state of the industry at the time. Right now, if the industry was exactly how it was, and I had a kid right now, and he was already 18 years old, I would 100% tell him to go. I would love for him to be there, either as a deck or an engineer. In the future, um, 20 years down the line when I actually do have kids, I would definitely have them go as an engineer, and then having them go as a decky would just depend on the um, state of the industry. Yeah, I think if you want to do it, do it. Um, I, I have no regrets about going to Maritime, and you know, being where I am now, it's great. You know, there's I don't think there's anywhere that we can make money that we make and work only half the year. I mean, granted, we are on a boat. And, you know, we don't get to go home at the end of the day. So I think that people who want to go into it, they need to know that it's great to say, hey, look, we have all this money, but there was a lot of grinding involved. Like, you know, as much as I say that my job is really easy, I just watch computer. You know, I feel like as mariners, we don't give ourselves enough credit for the stuff that we do. Like I've, I've sweated outside in 100 degree weather where the decks are 145 degrees because... They're just pure metal, you know, walking around on that radiating heat in the middle of the summer wearing a giant jumpsuit in the tarp. You know, it's 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 hard. So I think one last thing before we hop off the maritime topic, how dangerous of a job is the maritime industry overall? It can be, it can be pretty dangerous. So that was, that was another thing that I was thinking when you just said that, Owen, is that it is a 24-7 job and you could be woken up in the middle of the night because there's a fire or woken up in the middle of the night because you're just docking at the next port and it's not a 9 to 5. Sometimes we pull in at 2 a.m. Then I got to be back at work at 8 a.m. And then I work till midnight. And then we don't say then we left that night at 3 a.m. So there's a lot of sleepless nights. And when people get sleep deprived, accidents happen. And then you're working on a ship, you're tying up, and you're working with heavy equipment. So a lot of it can be dangerous. So that's another reason we get paid as much as we do. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I think that we're always on call. You know, we could, like you said, get off watch. You got eight hours off or 12 hours off in my case. It's like, all right, there's a fire in the middle of the night. Every person on board is getting up because... That could be critical. You know, we might have to abandon ship. And it's it's like you always have to be on. And until you get off, and then, you know, it's great. You don't have anything you have to do until you get back on the ship. You know, when you're on, you're on. And I think people need to know that going in. Yeah, it can get a little mentally exhausting. I don't know about for you, but I know that, you know, a couple months into the hitch or even a month in, that, like, my head's always going. And when I fall asleep, I don't sleep quite as well on the ship than I do at home because I'm a little worried something could happen. And I'm always ready to, like, get up and springing and go. So I think it's... Mentally exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. As well as physically, like you were saying. Yeah. I'm sure people seen videos of boat crashing, capsizing, incredible weather going through it. I mean, those are pretty daunting things to see. And obviously we do, there's procedures in place where we have to practice and have drills for to best accommodate for those situations. But I think we need to talk about that a little bit just for listeners if they are in the, getting interested in the maritime industry, whether it's for the money or for the lifestyle to be able to travel. But there are a lot of dangerous factors to it that should not be overlooked at that. You know, you are at sea, anything could happen and you could easily, the worst can happen. I really don't worry about that too much. Do you worry about that? Uh, you know, when you, I think that when you look at maritime disasters, they are always disasters because I think that there is usually uh, you know, a significant loss of life, Titanic, uh, you know, there, there's the El Faro, you know, it's yeah. crazy stuff. And I think that it all comes down to one person, which is, you know, it's, it sucks to say, but it's, it's all on the cabin. It's always on the cabin. And it's very reassuring. I think when you step on a ship and you know, that captain is out for the people, they're out for the crew and not out for the paycheck, which is hard to do because captains make 
such great money. And, you know, you get that allure as a, as a mate. You're like, oh, yeah, I want to be captain one day. But you have to humble yourself and be like, look, I'm in charge of every life on board the vessel. And, again, I can't tell you, you know, we had 21 hurricanes in the Gulf this past hurricane season. And anytime there's a significant one, my captain was like, all right, we're going. We're out. And, you know, I remember we left one. He was like, no, we're definitely leaving. And the platform near us, they left, obviously. The sensors were still on. And they clocked. 130 knot winds and uh, 30 foot seas. And it's like, (laughs) if we were there, yeah, someone could have gotten killed. You know, the ship could have been sunk. You know, it's crazy. And it's just, it's very reassuring to know that you have a captain looking out for you rather than, you know, the money going into their pocket. Yeah. So I think it depends where you are to not worry. So I don't have to worry because I do trust my captain. Right. If I ever did step on board a ship where I felt the equipment wasn't safe or the, their everyday practices weren't safe, or if if I couldn't trust the captain to make that hard call. Right. I would definitely immediately leave at the earliest point in my trip where I could leave. But I think that we are well prepared and we go over abandoned ship and fire drills once a week. Right. I feel confident in like leading the crew to abandoned ship or leading the crew to fight a fire. And I, I don't know, I feel very confident if a disaster were to happen. And with weather, you guys aren't able to move as well as well as we do. Right. You're not very maneuverable. You guys stay in one spot. But for us, if we have bad weather then then we get delayed. Then we move. And we go around it. So I feel very confident. Typical natural disasters that you see on Instagram and stuff like that. I don't worry about that as much. I, I worry about like tying up the ship. And that if the pilot up on the bridge accidentally like wants us to bump the ship a little forward. But my line's already tight and they didn't check with me. And then the line parts. And then the snapback could kill somebody. Yeah. So I worry about more of the everyday. Practice. And that's frequent, right? That happens more often than like a crazy weather situation right those crazy disasters the the weather or ships colliding and stuff like that i don't think i ever would have to worry about like ships colliding because i'm attentive up on the bridge and i know that i can call my captain to come help me whenever i need help right um and i know some captains when they call you they get mad at you so if i was in a situation like that and i feel like i couldn't call someone for help i would leave but i think i'm in a good spot so i don't have to worry about that but the everyday practices i'm always a little on edge about that stuff because that's something you have to care out every day Right. Tying up the ship like every time you go into port, every time you get out, I mean, you have to do those protocols. And those were where, where the real dangers are more like everyday dangers. I'm really glad you brought up. But any other things you guys want to bring up for the maritime industry? I feel like we covered a pretty good basis from start to finish of how we started, to how SUNY Maritime was, what the experience is like in coming out of college, what you guys did to be in a position you guys are now making very good money. I can't say exactly what, but very good money, you know, and, and just kind of covering what, what you guys do now. Any any other topics you guys want to talk about? I think the things that like I took away from Maritime and that every single person will take away from Maritime is to at the very least to show up on time and to show up prepared. And I think if you do that in any industry, it'll get you pretty far. And so I think that I think we're on time. I think we're mostly hard workers. So I think I took a lot away from Maritime that has helped me in my career. And I think I could take those principles into any field. But I think that every graduate from the lowest in the class to the top will at least show up on time and prepared. Yeah. So I, I thought I was pretty happy about Maritime for that. Like do the small things right. Like shaving, that equates to just doing the small things, but do it like clockwork and do it right every time. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking is that back to our degree. Marine transportation. I think we were all marine transportation, right? So we had that business degree and we also had the the license. And coming out of there, I always thought that I would never be prepared for a desk job. I was like, I I couldn't do business at all. But you obviously have done a great job at it. But I think that if there's one thing I could take away from shipping in general is that there's always that management of change. You know, there's management of chaos. Someone's always going to come up and then it's all reaction based. I think maritime industry is. And I think as our jobs, 
it's our job to react. And I think Mariners in particular, it's such a dynamic job, not just dynamic positioning, but being a mate, having to go in and fight a fire, a fire is never going to go the way that we've drilled it. You know, you have to be able to react to everything. And I think that sets people up pretty well. And I think that's a selling point for a nice desk job. Yeah. I think you have to be able to react and then uh, do it with confidence and keep your cool. Like in any work environment, you have to treat people professionally. Absolutely. You, you get on board and you're out there and you're at work, but you're also living with these people. Yeah. And you're out there for weeks or months at a time. So just imagine working with your coworkers and then going home and then they're still there. <laughs> and then you have to deal with these people. And then when you, you know, you start to get a little less professional as the trip goes on and you get a little more casual and you start to bicker and fight and you just got to remain on your game and not do that kind of stuff and try to remember to be professional. And it's hard because sometimes I'm only 25 and I'll have a watch partner that's like 50 or 60 years old and then I'm in charge of them. So sometimes that creates a hard dynamic, but life lessons come out of that. And I think if you just remain professional and treat everybody with respect, then you'll be fine. That's something that is a lot less in the office setting. You clock in from, you know, nine to five, and you at least can go home. You can get away from them. But in the maritime, it's practical living with them. Yeah. You see them day in and day out and you can't pick your crew. Well, maybe if you're in the captain position, but uh, but you can't pick your crew. So you have to adjust to your setting. You have to adjust to different people. And they are oh, literally every walks of life, right? I mean, every country, they, sp- they don't even speak English sometimes. So definitely adjustment factors just outside of, you know, navigating or, or engineering. There are other kind of secondary aspects you have to be able to adjust to in the maritime industry. But I think we did a very good job of covering all aspects, not just doing the work of, you know, navigating or or drilling oil or different things like that, but how you adjust to different bad captain leadership or different people you live with and different aspects of the maritime industry. And hopefully the maritime industry will continue to thrive. But the few Dow look of um, the maritime industry, if you're interested. But yeah, I think this is concludes part one of the podcast and we'll see you guys in part two. Thank you.